that's that's probably where you should start. I think. Uh, just let me get through with that. Just let me don't cut me off. All right, so we we. No, have I'm definitely going to cut you off. How did you become homeless? That's just, where we need just, to start. Just, why, why would you start in the middle? It's not, this is not a Tarantino that was the transitional point. Listen, this is not a Tarantino podcast where we're just going to start with fragments of time and, and, and the audience will just piece it all together, Dom. Let's what just keep fuck? it simple because we're simple. We're pretty stupid. People probably gathered that already. So let's just start from the fucking beginning, shall we? How did you become homeless? You... Uh, Sorry, well, it's not, I... hang on, hang on, hang on. Cut that, cut that, cut that. I should, I should probably sound like an arsehole right now. So I'll just, I'll just pretend that I'm... Nice. Hey, Dom, <laughs> how, how right, did you become yeah. homeless? Fuck's sake, Jesus. This is Danny and Dom, this is Misdirection, our brand new podcast, A Magician and a Journo, talk about life, the universe, everything, and why things never seem to work. And today's show is about homeless charity, Emmaus. Emmaus communities in the UK accept people who have experienced homelessness and social exclusion. Those who live and work in the communities are known as companions. Companions can expect three meals a day, a bed every night and a small weekly allowance if they commit to working 40 hours per week in Emmaus' social enterprise and agree to observe a strict regime of rules. Drink and drugs are off limits and companions are expected to remain sober inside the community's walls. They must give up any benefits except housing benefit, which is pocketed by the community. Companions are not protected by conventional housing or employment rights, and legislation has specifically excluded them from receiving the minimum wage. Are you typing? No. What the hell? Mate, I'm a a professional. I would not be typing or playing (laughs) on a video game while... Recording a podcast, that's completely This is ridiculous. Wrong. I told you this has to be professional, yeah? There has to be an intro. There has to be some other stuff. You know, we can't have people thinking that we're absolute morons trying to put this thing together. Literally I mean, I no one is listening to this anyway, so does it matter? It's, it's going to be me and you and some friends, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's absolute, absolute madness. Right, where were we? Right, Emmaus. Yeah, and I'll start playing anyway now. I just, like like my ha- it, it. I just like to keep my hands busy. I mean, you won't be able to hear that on the audio, will you? Oh, oh well, if I can hear it, they can hear it, Danny. <laughs> All right, is that how it works? I, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Dear listeners, well, well, you, can listeners, hear that, you, send, you send in your opinion. Would you like to hear me play video games while uh, we, <laughs> I'd like to be we updated on the stuff. score? Does Wait, the tapping sound uh, make you feel good? Oh. You know? Right, anyway, we should probably go into the background of what Emmaus is. Emmaus is a, is a charity. It started in France, um, I believe, following the Second World War when there was um, a homeless epidemic in, in France. Um, Founded by a nice man called Abbe Pierre, who by all accounts um, he was, was a priest. He was a priest. I think he also won, like, the... He was like the best French guy ever, and they kept on giving him an award until one year he declined the award because he'd won it too many times in a row. So uh, a p- pretty popular guy, to say the least. So, yeah, well, he was the... I, I, I didn't know that part. But yeah. Well, <laughs> it's fine. You know, I'm well-researched. I'm a professional, you know. Um... <laughs> yeah, I just knew. Anyway, he took in homeless people off the street in Paris, I believe. After yeah. the war, because there was a shitload of homeless people, and yeah. um, 
they, they sign up to this community, and I think what he had them do was um, collect rags and sell and make clothes and sell them, or, or make furniture. I, I can't remember which. Anyway, it made it similar today in the UK. It has the same model, so you work in a furniture shop and uh, you collect and deliver furniture around your community. Um, now that's, that's that's amazing. We've done that, done that, done now. Yeah, that, that's the podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoy it. See you later. <laughs> Well, I think there's a lot more to it. I think there's a oh, lot right. more to it. There's how we met. There's there's people taking illicit drugs all over the shop. Okay, I so mean, we're going to have to cut that because you just said his name, you twat. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Right, libel. Libel. Fine. Okay. Well, uh, so Marla down. Hang on. Six, six minutes, 52, you said his name. So, <laughs> okay, so just start again in a few seconds. Go. Okay, so... I'm going to call him. No, um, that's, that's probably not good. That doesn't disguise him either, does it? Have you ever heard of jigsaw identification, Dom? No, I haven't heard of jigsaw identification, but I can guess well, what it is. Right, yeah, when people put the pieces together, yeah, and, and then they'll find the bloke, and then we get dragged I, I, I get it, I get it. We don't want to be done for liable on the first podcast, all right? I, we're exactly eight minutes and eight seconds in, and... Yeah, whatever. We've already run out of things to talk about. I think we should probably talk about how you got there in the first place, and then I'll talk about how I got there. How did you become homeless, Tom? Well, Danny, <laughs> I became homeless when my stepdad, who was a very charming man, um, me and him had an altercation in the kitchen. Um, you know, I was uh, trying to get up, go upstairs and... Uh, make a sandwich. No, I'm telling the story all wrong. All right, okay. I'd just come out of the shower. I went downstairs to get a sandwich, uh, which yeah. my mum had made for me. Things had got so bad in the house that I was eating in my room and not eating in the kitchen table. So I was not, taking this not, sandwich. Not much has changed there, then. Not much has changed there. Not not a damn thing. And then my stepdad kind of complained about me not doing something like cleaning out the bath, something really simple. And I just went, would you give it a rest? I'm trying to eat my food. Like I'll do it in a minute, you know? And then that resulted in a punch up. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he pinned me to a wall. I kind of slapped him a bit, this, that, and the other. And then I left, I left right there and then, and I went to my dad's house. <laughs> Why did he punch you though? That reason. That was the reasoning. What? Cause you took some sandwiches. Yeah. 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 And I think I said something about the, you know, the state of the bath. So the argument was about the bath, but the reality of the situation is that through a series of little things over a long period of time, it become this like melting pot of anger and unpleasantness, which eventually erupted <clears throat> in a punch up. And then I left. So right. yeah, you know, it was all, it was all gravy after that. No lying. Um, I went to a hostel. That was even worse. Um, strewn some stuff all over the place. What, what am I fucking talking about? I. How old were you when you went to the hostel? Seventeen. Okay, so you were seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long did you stay there? I stayed there for about two years, so that would have been seventeen, eighteen. I was probably in a at about nineteen to twenty. Right. Yeah. And how did you come across the mayors? Um, to be honest, I think my dad found it for me. 
uh, that was my recollection because the people there, I think they were somewhat aware, but it was their job to move people on into other accommodation. And I think they were actually trying to do that and had some sort of duty of care. So they moved me on to Emmaus. So they moved me on to a secure place. And what year was that, 2014, that you went to St. Albans, Emmaus? Um, I can't exactly remember the time frame, but yeah, about 2014. So I was in in one in Greater Manchester. Is that wind I'm hearing? I'm indoors, but... Yeah. Are you, are you blowing into the microphone? No. Okay, I might have been blowing into the microphone. Yeah, you're probably That's not breathing into the microphone. Right, okay, fine. Don't play video games and I won't breathe into the microphone. It's on my chin. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. At least you're used to having things resting on your chin. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that was just a homophobic joke there. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, no, say, no, we're not going to have to cut that out later. Cut that, cut, cut that, cut that, cut uh, that. What was I going to say? We're going to edit this later, I swear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, should I talk about why I was in the mayor's now? Well, kind of I mean, symmetry. I had to go through the pain and arduousness of talking about why I was in Emmaus. I think it would only be right at this stage in the game. Yeah, and, and judging by your tone, it must have been a really painful experience. You're talking about it like you were going on a fucking out into Alton Towers. People <laughs> are not going to have much sympathy for this. Oh, it sounds like a great time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I was... Um, I was at university, and basically I was... Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I was a mental illness, and I drank a bit, and I kind of went into arrears, and then left to live briefly on a bridal path in a tent before being accepted at uh, the Mayor's community, which I knew already existed because I used to drink with these lads on a, an area called the beach, which wasn't a beach at all. Uh, it was a riverbank, but they called it the beach because I suppose it's the closest thing to a beach in Manchester. Yeah, and uh, they would they would like blot out the pain that they'd suffered all day during a way his work with black lager and why he told me about the community. And I, I was quite happy to, to go there, really, because I needed to check out because I just, I'd basically lost control. Um, you know, before that, I was a, a care leaver, been to special school. So the kind of destitution was always on the cards for me. If you think about, think about how, how, what the proportion of homeless people who are ground in the care system or disrupted education, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a one way track almost to, to um, destitution and poverty at the very least. So it wasn't much of a surprise to me when I got there, really. I was I just, there was a never, it all kind of felt inevitable I mean, did you get this? Did you feel the same, or was it a bit? Was it a shell shock to you? No, it was a total obviously... shock. Total shock. Mm. Yeah, no, I just thought, like, I came downstairs one day trying to get sandwiches. Yeah, how I tell it my mind, and the next thing I know, bang, I'm just in a place with a bunch of strange people. Everybody's drinking taking all sorts of illicit drugs uh, from ecstasy to MDMA to lines of cocaine, stealing my food out of the fridge, um, which, you know, in, at the time it wasn't particularly funny to me, but it is now. I'm just like, well, you know, what happens happens. 
I was also trying to develop myself a little bit more as a person. I was still going to college, if that really gives you a time frame. But that, I don't know whether it affected my college work or it didn't. To be perfectly honest, I just tried to do my best. Um, and then after that all got finished and I left college and I dealt with being in that institution, I was basically moved on uh, to Emmaus. And that became do you, my... Do you remember your first day in Emmaus? Describe what that was like for the listeners, Don. I don't. <laughs> I, I actually don't. Um, I just remember my stuff being moved in. Me going, yeah, all right, this will probably be fine. Um, the night there, I remember just like vaguely tossing and turning. And then um, I just remember being put in Hill End Shop um, with a guy, let's say. Well, you know what? I'm just going to say his name. Like, you can't trace a last name. I'm sure that this particular character isn't going to try and sue us for libel. But his whole thing was he was a bit of a control freak. Yeah, it's freak. not libel there, Dom. It's an invasion of privacy. So she basically just changed his name. It was easier. Like, motherfucker. All right, okay. I don't know. Just... Belen. Right, so for, right, for listeners, well, I probably beeped out the, the real names he used, but he basically just used the extended version of a name. Uh, it's like, like, say if you say, like, I don't know, how do you say it? Like, right, if it was right, called, right, if it was called, if it was called Mick, if it was called Mick, and he just went, all right, we'll call him Michael then. Well, no, you fucking fat idiot. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Right, let's just say it was called Ben, all right? You know what? That's just that's just the thing. <laughs> that just happened. Uh, what was his name? Ben? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Anyway. Ben at Amaya's, though. I'm pretty sure there was a Ben one there. Mate, I'm not being funny. There was a Dominic there. And I'm pretty sure there was another Dan at some point, but whatever. All right, just let's just say there's a Ben, and if you were the Ben at Amaya's, you're not that Ben. It's a different Ben. It's an imaginary Ben. Right, go. I think it's important to note at this point, listeners, that there was a lot of turnover in these types of places because, and I'm pretty sure of this, you'd get somebody kicked out at least once a month. It wasn't that much turnover. We only made about 100 quid a day. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, but... Anyway, yeah, speaking of that, did you know you were going to work? Were you aware of that was the arrangement? Or did that come as a surprise that, you know, basically Uh, you're you're a furniture partner now, you know? Uh, actually, it did come as a surprise. Um, but to be fair to myself at the time, I'd never had a job before, really. And that was my first ever job. And it, and quite the job it was, you know, lifting mm. out furniture. But I had nothing to compare it to. If I'd have known um, that I was doing that kind of work in those kind of conditions for that kind of pay, I probably would have turned it away. But young and naive that I was, I just kind of, you know got my hands stuck in really to be perfectly honest because i didn't have anything to pair it to you know i remember having a conversation with you and i went hey danny do you pay tax and you sort of turned around to me and said yes dom of course i pay tax it just kind of comes out of your wages and i'm like what wages (laughs) genuinely never had a probably never had a paycheck before like that's how naive i was the system about 1920 you know so i was struggling to get a job to the point where I pretty much ended up in the uh, the equivalent of a modern day workhouse. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I knew we were going to work, um, but what I didn't realise is that one, it was going to be so tough, and two, you, you kind of had no employment rights or received a proper wage because what 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 they do is the 
legislation has specifically excluded homeless workers from receiving the, the minimum wage. So if people didn't know that, basically New Labour uh, made an amendment to the national national. I say national, national minimum wage act in 1999, I believe, and that specifically excluded homeless workers from receiving the minimum wage. The interesting fact is when I interviewed the the chief exec of Amaya's, he wasn't aware of this amendment. So, and presumably the 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 hierarchy at Amaya's just this is an acceptable arrangement. So basically, you work there for no pay. There's no rights protecting you from unfair dismissal. Uh, you're not, you're not strictly speaking, you're not a tenant. You're on a license to occupy agreement, so they can evict you with with no recourse. You spend your whole time there on on thin ice. And there's people who've been there. Uh, they were called core companions, and core companions remind. They're a bit like Brooks. He was he was released from prison. And he just couldn't hack it because he was so institutionalized. That's what the core reminded me of. Just institutional long timers who, you know, have been there so long they probably couldn't have made it on the outside if they were let go. But they were on the same thin ice as someone who's just been there for ten minutes, right? And often people would get evicted for being caught with a bottle of beer in the room or flipping out at the staff or taking a day off and they weren't given permission. It could be quite draconian, depending on who the member of staff was so i mean at first like i said i was quite relieved to have sanctuary and respite and to check out i was relieved from responsibilities didn't really have to worry about paying rent or bills all you have to do is roll out of bed every morning and cart some furniture around but then as i got there i started to realize that you know that this place is quite exploitative there's kind of a it's a bit there is like a prison vibe to it where you're just living with the same people you work with everyone's in each other's business and it just makes for a tense atmosphere and i don't know if you felt the same way though i mean did you find it like that in the beginning or well yeah 100 percent. that's why i blanked you the first time i ever met you (laughs) because i was like this guy's probably psycho (laughs) balance of probability guys are not bar you know nobody can be trusted one minute you're just talking to a guy next minute he's getting his kit off having a naked fight with someone it could be it could be that real you know um you definitely lived and drank with the same people 100 percent. it was a very crazy vibe everybody had their little clicks it was just all a bit like weird. You couldn't choose to not associate with someone. That was the crazy bit. Like I remember I had an instance where I didn't really want to be like uh, working with the same guy. Like I, I used to play poker with the same guy that was my manager and boss in a furniture store. And I'm like, can I just like click out and have a bit of time to myself? I don't really want to be doing this. This is a bit crazy. It's a bit weird. But, you know, being the guy I am, I played cards with him and beat him. Um, and then after that, he didn't really want to play with me anymore. But the point I'm trying to get across is I didn't always want to have to socialize with everyone in there. I wanted my time to myself. And yeah, that did result in me, uh, basically fucking quite a lot of people off. Apart from when I wanted to play chess, poker, pool, or use TV. Great. So what you're saying is you fucked everyone off, except when you had to socialize with them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah basically yeah right okay well that's not contradictory is it <laughs> right uh, <laughs> don't, can I just pause this I just need to go to the loo
What this is the intermission, right? So you're gonna go take yeah, a literal yeah, piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah, literal yeah, yeah. piss while you've been playing FIFA. Okay, listeners, right, I'm gonna try and carry this thing. This is the Danny and Tom show, after all. Danny is you know, he's he's, he's gonna go off, take a piss or right, something. I'm gonna go like, now, oh, so I won't be out here any of this. See you in a bit. Right. Uh, wait, look, listen, no, we committed to doing thirty minutes. Why am I on my face? Okay, this is going well. Um, Danny, have you returned from taking a piss? No, I'm still taking it. You only get 30 minutes on this. No, no, no. I'm just like, we committed to doing 30 minutes. It was a rule. We just, we do 30 minutes. Oh, right. Okay, so we're going to get past. All right, yeah, no, no, no. We're we're fine. We're fine. Shut up. We're fine. Uh, uh, We'll we'll cut me saying shut up. By the way, you shut up. Okay, 30. Hit the 30 minute mark. That's a goal. We ju- we just did the first little goal, but bam, thirty minutes. Did you think you shut up all the time? Who are you, Stormzy? I hate that video. I've always said to you, like, if I was walking in the park, that go and shut up. I'd say, no, Stormzy, you shut up. <laughs> Why don't you shut up? How about that? I'm just walking through the park, minding my own business. You're telling everyone to shut up. No, you shut up, and you are a backup dancer. And fuck off. <laughs> right? Please don't call out Stormzy on the first ever podcast. I call out Stormzy oh. right now. <laughs> I, I, if I see Stormzy, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll probably say, all right, mate. Manny and the Heezy. He represents the 313, whatever the fuck they call it, you know? Got to relax with yourself. Damn. Shut up. Right. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> shut up. Okay, I mean, all right. Were you, just, were you just startled by the, the, the people in there? You'd not met characters like that before? Because I wasn't really too bothered by that because I'd kind of grown up around... Um, you know, mad heads and drunks and shit. <laughs> it wasn't really me. The, the, the thing that got me is I lived, when I was moved into the Amaze community in um, Greater Manchester, um, I, I, share, I had to share my room, not share my room, but I lived next door to possibly one of the most interesting and uh, genuinely certifiably insane people I've ever met. Um mm called michael ledbetter and I, I can say his name and i'll i'll get to why uh, later on but um i just remember the first night um it it was quite it was quiet didn't i got my head down when we went for our morning meeting because we had a morning meetings in these places um and immediately some guy came up to it and he was called rabbit i call him rabbit in the book that's not his real name but he was called rabbit because he just loved the sound of his own voice like he just rabbited on and um he just he just asked me straight out, oh, "Do you have a good sleep?" I, and um, I was like, "Yeah, why?" He's like, "Oh, deep sleeper, is it?" And I was like, "Why?" And then he pointed behind me to to make he said, "Cause that fucker's usually screaming his head off to the early doors." And he's like, "Well, at least you'll learn, learn all the lyrics to Dark Side of the Moon." And what I found out later on is that Mick would usually get pissed, through, you know, three sheets to the wind, and just be screaming blue murder at night, like. It was bizarre because he was kind of like a mild, slightly grumpy character during the day. He was the warehouse master. And <coughs> um, walking into his warehouse was like going into a safari into his mind. It was completely chaotic. Um, and one day I tried to organise it. And I did. I thought nothing of it. But then that night, he just started cursing me out. Like, Danny, you fucking don't try in my warehouse. It's my warehouse, you bastard. And he'd just be screaming his head off and then he'd just put like Pink Floyd on and Eminem and just start shouting the lyrics. It could be like a really, um, you know, a really kind of light song with, with um, I don't know, soft melodies and he'd just be screaming the lyrics. 
He was fucking off his head, right? Um, but but he was a clever. He was a clever guy. He we we played chess together, and we set up a chess board in the warehouse. And like in between taking furniture to the shop floor and to the vans, would make moves. Uh, and he'd beat me when he was sober, and then he'd also beat me when he was pissed. Like we'd have like six cans of black lager, like Kestrel Super, and still beat me. Um, Did he like beat you without looking at the board, or am I just making out my own head? He didn't have to look at it very long. Like I, I think he was a chess captain, um, so he had he had all the moves memorized and stuff. He was he was he was really smart, man. He's, I felt sorry for him. He he he, reminded, he was kind of like one of those hippies who dropped out and never quite managed to drop back in. It's like the thing with like a lot of hippies from the 60s, a lot of them were really middle class or well-to-do, so they could afford to drop out. Or he, he was a working class guy from Hull. Um, mm. Really, really interesting guy, but he was a bit of a depressive and his own worst enemy. So like every night he'd be paralytic. You know, sometimes he wouldn't make it back to the community. He would just pass out on the, on the riverbed. And, I, you know, I saw him trip over his laces, fall downstairs. And I, th- I think once he fell into the canal and he was fished out. And then fast forward a few years down the line, after I'd left Emmaus St Albans and I was studying for a journalism degree, a master's in journalism degree in, uh, in Goldsmiths, um, I read that he was missing um, online. And then, you know, I was quite concerned in that. And then a few days later, I think it was maybe a few weeks later, he confirmed that he'd, he'd drowned in, in, in the river that we used to drink next to. Um, so that was quite sad. I, I, I just, I just, in the Mates community, it's, in a lot of ways, it's not appropriate for people like Mick, like people with like dependency issues, alcoholism. You know, he, 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 just, he just wasn't the right place for him. You know, you weren't allowed to drink on site, but they were perfectly content with you drinking outdoors, getting drunk as you like, falling around. You know, and and that's that's what happened to him, sadly. But a lot of the core like that. I mean, weren't they dumb? A lot of them were just like long time alkies. Long time alkies. Yeah. Um. I mean, I remember he was um an excellent companion, excellent sort of chap. He worked really, really hard. He was a little Romanian guy. And he was a paratrooper in his own country. And then one day, having a couple of cans of beer in his room, not being drunk in the community or doing anything untoward, um, they chucked him out. And he went to live at the literal bottom of the garden in a tent. So he was in this tent at the bottom of the garden. Um, We could see him through literally a fence at the bottom of the garden. And we would just bring him food every day out of pure sympathy, you know, and he just used to kind of like moan and, uh, you know, just kind of go, listen, I I really want to come back in. I've got nowhere to go. I can't really speak English very well. I don't really know what to do. Um, And their duty of care apparently just stopped right there. Like the minute he left the apparent sanctuary that was Emmaus, they, you know, didn't give two fucks about him. It was crazy. I remember... Uh, this very vivid memory of me just like putting some food on a plate and taking it round to his tent in the morning. And like, you know, he opened up the thing and and collected the breakfast and whatnot. And then I've got no idea. I mean, I don't know why if you enjoy a drink or whatever, but you can still do your work that, uh, you know, it results in you then 
literally being put in a tent at the bottom of the garden. In yeah, exactly. It was like when Mick was perfectly capable of organising the warehouse. Um, he was really good at it. I mean, OK, it was a bit chaotic, but it worked for him. And, you know, deliveries got made on time and, and, and all the rest of it. But the fact is, he shouldn't have been working anyway. They should have been concentrating on getting him sober. Because they knew, everyone knew every night he'd be down, he'd be down on the beach or a place called the Tire, and it was called the Tire because it was, they basically put some rocks in the middle of a, a disused uh, tractor tire, I guess, or a, dig- a digger, whatever it was, and just sat on that, and they just called it the Tire. Um, mm. And yeah, but they knew, they knew he was out of his head every night, but and yet they were perfectly happy for him to, to work every day. So, it just and, and lots of and, and you mentioned before there was lots of turnover. Often yeah. guys would just come in. I, I guess they would lie about the issues they had so they could get out of a shitty hostel they're in. Because let's be clear, I, I think Amaze is a workhouse. I think it's pure exploitation. However, you'll know this yourself. It's a lot better than some of the hostels out there. It's probably better than the hostel you were in, right? When it's just rife with you drugs and all the rest of it. You know what? I'm going to say on record in front of everyone. No, I don't believe that to be the case. For one reason and one reason only, I believe that the work that you did in that hostel at that time was worth a lot more. You basically had to work. I would estimate. I mean, this was a while ago now, but a good forty hours a week, right? Yeah. And yeah. for that, you were simply given um, a bit of pocket money and the benefits that you would be entitled to anyway. Yeah. No, so no I, take, I, I take that point. What I'm saying is, I, I, yeah, it's exploitative, but I'm just saying the atmosphere in some hostels that you see where, you know, you've got, a, you've, you're held to a curfew, so you've got to leave in the morning, come back in the evening. Uh, you, you, you've got to abstain from all substances. You, you're in there with people who are, who are ill and so like, like some of the hostels in Manchester like the Narragate you're in there in on bunk beds in a big room right right sharing right. a room with you know, men and women mixing together families um, I've heard some real horror stories during my reporting so I was like there was guys living in a hostel in Redbridge and um, basically they were putting blind people on the top floor uh, with people who had paranoid schizophrenia and then recently re- released prisoners were being put there at the same time that um, single mothers with newborn babies were there at the same time. So some of these hostels are nightmares. So compared to that, a mayor's was probably a haven. So that's why I guess a lot of homeless people would lie on their mayor's application so they could just get out either off the street or out of the hostel system. Because, it, you know, I mean, to be fair, you had, you had good food every day. Um, the, you did get holiday money. Um, I, I believe four weeks a year. There was Sky TV. There was a pool table. You, you had TVs if you were lucky in your room. You might even have a HD TV. Um, so look, it, the comparison to a workhouse, it's not like a Victorian workhouse. Okay, we weren't we weren't com- we weren't obliged to pick oakum or break boulders, and we weren't eating meagre slots of gruel f- f- for dinner, right? Um, but the the relationship that the workhouse had with the people who live there is fundamentally the same. You exchange your labor for um, subsistence, but yeah, yeah. Um, you can't get ahead. But anyway, to go back to my point. So yeah, a lot of people would lie and then they get found out within a few days once they'd been found with a bottle in the room or they just, they just, they couldn't hack it, you know, but, mm. but the idea that you get, 
you, you, some of these people become homeless because they're mentally ill, because they've got addictions, and then the punishment is you send them to, to the street again. So, so this is the argument I'm making the book. This is why charity is not the best place to handle this problem because all these charities have their different philosophies and approaches. They all have their batshit crazy rules, and a lot of them just aren't fit for purpose, and a lot of them aren't prepared to... Um, cater to people with really complex needs like alcoholism and mental illness so at mayors you basically had to be uh, you know pretty sane to be there i know we were we were there with people who you know let, let's say they were eccentric you know what i mean but but they're yeah but they're not as mad as some of the people um at the sharp end of the homelessness crisis you know um so that, that, that's the problem you see so it only really catered to people who were pretty, you know, compass mentis, is that the right word? I, I, I wasn't taught Latin, damn I, I went to a special school. <laughs> Misdirection doesn't run ads at the moment, but if you'd like to sponsor us, please get in touch. Information will be in the podcast description. The only thing we're flogging is my new book, Down and Out, Surviving the Homelessness Crisis. In the book, I go into greater depth on the issues we discussed in this podcast today and cover many more things. So if you'd like to get that, it will be in the description below, but it's available wherever you get your books, Waterstones, Amazon, Google, wherever. All right, cheers. Back to the show. I met an individual there who told me that um, his running life got started when he stuck up a post office at age 20, went to prison for 10 years, came out, um, was homeless, sold the big issue for a period of time, and then, you know, to make ends meet because he was struggling, simply went to Emmaus. Is you that know, the guy? Is that the guy who nearly stabbed me? Oh, yeah, that dude. Yeah, yeah, that, that too. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, you remember him? Brilliant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, for this, what should we call him? Ralph or something? So anyway, Ralph, um, me, me and Danny, as you can probably tell, by being a listener of this podcast, tend to have banter with each other. Ralph seemed to mistake this banter um, to think we were talking at him or something, or Danny. It's probably not but... surprising because it, it is pretty witless. So, <laughs> so and his, um, uh, well, result of this was to get up. Um, he had a knife on him at the time, a knife which everybody in the room, including myself, saw, uh, threatened Danny with it. Uh, Danny got up, which uh, I must admit is probably the smartest thing to do, uh, and then what happened yeah. next, Danny? <laughs> what happened next? Well, we, we always have a debate on how this story is told. I just want to put okay. it in, in Danny's well, court here. Well, my side of it is we squared up, um, and then I, the he balled his fist up. So I thought, you know, I thought he was going to crap me. So I pushed him backwards, right? Mm. So when he when he went back a few steps, <laughs> I mean, when he flew into the wall, because I'm so fucking strong. No, but uh, no, he took it. After he, he stepped back a few steps, he withdrew a knife from his pocket and was about to walk towards me. And then I went, oh, you've fucking got a knife. What you've got a knife for? And then that alerted you and Leon and you both got up and then he put it away. That's my version of events. That's the one I'm sticking to. But what's your version, Dom? I got directly right. Listen, genuinely, they were squaring up to each other. They pushed each other. I got up from the computer and got in the middle because I knew we'd all get in trouble if they actually started fighting. Like we'd all get fucked. It was. It was not. 
uh, an issue at that point. It was basically self-preservation on my part. I didn't really want... No, Damn it! Ralph. Ralph! Fine, right. Ralph, um, Ralph took out a knife, slammed it on the pool table, and then offered you to come outside and fight. Um, and then by a combination of, I'd say, me, Leon, and you, I also believe another individual, he w- who we will call Baloney, um, simply sat there in awe... And then just, fine, I'm okay, going to be beeping then. this the fuck out of this podcast, you know. <laughs> we, yeah, all right. So <laughs> Ralph got laughed up the stairs back to his room, and then changed certain versions of events. And then, and this is key to the story, key. Yeah, he got banned for a week and came back a week later, right into the exact same community. Now, you know, some people. I don't really think you should be banned out of a community if you just have a drink and then be made to live at the bottom of the garden. But Jason, for whatever reason, was banned only for a week. And then he miraculously seemed to just return to life. It didn't seem to be an issue for these people, um, letting the same two guys that potentially could have knifed each other. (laughs) Well, one individual could have knifed another uh, into the community. I found that quite shocking. And I think there was a real... Uh, lack of duty of care there um, on the part of the staff. Yeah, I, well, yeah, but just to go back a bit, what, what was funny to me though is that like he offered me out outside, and I was like, I'm not going to go outside. You've got a fucking knife, right? <laughs> so, so that's when he slammed the knife down, and I think that's the first time you and Noel saw the knife because before that, I think he'd surreptitiously just like, put it in his pocket, right? Um, mm. So then he slammed I mean, it down, he walked out. And I'm just like, I'm not going to fight him. You know what I mean? Uh, and then he's like, I'm so, I'm not going to fight you, man. Just go to bed. And I think you two will shit him upstairs. And he's like, just as well, you're not going to fight me because I'll be the second best you ever had. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that doesn't make sense, mate. I'll let it go, though. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but does it? Uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Like, literally, the literal second meaning best. of that means I will beat him up worse than anyone who's beat him up before because he's literally be the most second best. Like the most second best. Yeah, right? he will be the second best you have had. He won't be the there's first. Only, yeah, there's only two places in a fight, Dom. There's first place and second place. And if you're <laughs> the most second place out of anyone I've fought, that means I'd beat the shit out of you, Royal. And I'm not a good <laughs> fighter. I think he would have had half a chance. He was a wily old Welshman. I reckon he could have I reckon he could have used that sheep techniques he's got. Because he he seems to not the Welsh, his own fight the Welsh, ability. The Welsh shag sheep, we all know that. And they've got yeah. to be pretty crafty to do that. So, <laughs> okay, we'll cut, though, that's definitely getting cut out. All right, that's just, no. Yeah. No, but they definitely do. Anyway, uh, you know, speaking about sheep shagging, Dom, do you know why they um, paint sheep a different colours? Why do they paint sheep different colours, Danny? It's a rating system for how good they are, right, in bed. So it's like blue. <laughs> if you see a blue one, you know that one was no good, right? Red one, they were shit up. They were really good. Uh-huh. I, what about and, the uh, black sheep, Danny? Are they the ones that got away? <laughs> is, is that what was going on there? They just swipe off the colours and make a fucking uh, great escape. Hello? No, you killed it there, Doc. Just killed it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the, 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 the... Just jealous of my crazy improv technique, Danny. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. what that is. I know, yeah. I'm just bowled over by your wit. <laughs> or at least half of it. Anyway, uh, Dom. Uh, oh, he made a funny. Oh. say dumpster. Anyway, uh, Dom, you, ooh, you're distracting me. Right. Anyway, we're at the 50 minute mark, almost 49. Right. Okay, so we're nearly done. Right. Right. Here we go. 
what I was going to say. Yeah, the, the 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 ludicrous thing about that whole episode was the aftermath, right? Um, I mean, I was paranoid at that time. So, like, the day after I heard Ralph and another guy, uh, who, the, Mr. Naked uh, Man, who, who, he, he, Mr. Naked Man, who had handcuffs tied to his headboard on his bed and a pair of thongs wrapped around it and was basically a sex maniac anyway <laughs> he used to watch porn openly in the uh yeah, the office, yeah. Actually. yeah he was a strange strange man anyway mm. they those two were they were talking outside and i just assumed they were talking about me so i just what i just really pissed off because it the whole evening's events had crystallized in my mind i was kind of outraged man so i was just like I was out there going, what are you saying? What are you saying? I don't even think they were talking about me, man. They were just having the morning fag, but I was just fucking pissed off. So obviously the staff wondered why, and then it all got out. Um, and I was basically saying, look, I'm not prepared to live in the same place with someone who's willing to pull a knife out on me out of nowhere. And um, obviously they spoke to me about it. They asked me, and strangely, they asked me what sort of knife he had. I don't, I never, to this day, I don't understand why that question was asked. But I thought it was a butterfly knife, right? Mm. And I think you did too. Or something. It was. It was a butterfly knife, wasn't it? Something well, I like. remember it was a long steel uh, knife. It, I'm not going to say it was a hunting knife. It was clearly used for some sort of. But it was uh, a hefty enough knife that it was. You could threaten someone with it. You know, it wasn't the kind of thing. Well, it's the kind of thing you could cook your dinner with, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it wasn't a butter knife. Put it that way, right? Yeah, um, it was a fucking knife. It was a fucking knife. <laughs> I mean, and I, I was a knife. A knife, you know. If so, you get shot with a bullet, a bullet's a bullet. So I don't really know if it's a, an AK or a caliber or a shotgun. You know, it's still a gun. Guns are guns. I'm, gun not, I'm not gonna lie, Dom. Knives are not my area of expertise. So when I said a butterfly knife, I was just taking a stab in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway then they interviewed him or whatever and they came back to me really smug and went it wasn't a butter knife that's not true it was his work knife and it was in his work clothes i was like all right yeah sound because if he'd stabbed me and we went to the hospital i'm sure the doctor would have gone oh it was his work knife don't matter then yeah exactly it's penetrating my heart does it matter what sort of knife it is it's a fucking knife in it it's i mean knife. i believe right okay and you you can bring this up if you want but there was actually quite a, a famous stabbing where there was a, an extremely small knife it penetrated like a kid so this was like some school kids right. one guy stabs the other and the and the dude just bleeds to death and that that is the point in of itself a knife is a knife if you stick it in and twist it you know mm. you're gonna someone could bleed out exactly I've that's how serious that can be i've seen the bond identity and jason bond fucks that guy up with a pen do you know what i mean yeah a like, pen and we all know we all know the bond films are very true to life. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there were chairs in the room. He could have chaired you, but no, at the end of the day, he had a knife, and he did threaten a post office with a shotgun once. So it's not like he yeah, was, was yeah. prepared to use the knife. Yeah, he had form in the whole violence department. So yeah, I had a really difficult time trying to get staff to see my point of view, but I think eventually they begrudgingly kind of realized that even they couldn't fuck me over on this one. So they launched him. And then like literally a month later, they accepted him back. Now I have to add a caveat here that I may as, um, 
uh, don't accept my version of events and they say I was happy for him to come back. It's not actually quite true. I was just, I said it because I just thought they would boot me out if I didn't let him back. That's generally what went through my head. Um, but anyway, that that didn't matter in the end because I got kicked out of there a, a week a week later. But um, well, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but presumably because of what had happened, right? I mean, you weren't happy in that environment. It would seem from the beginning. So yeah, but how do you want to talk about how you left that place? Yeah, we can, yeah we can do yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I was I was really good mates with Noah. I was really good mates with you. But beyond that, the, 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 I don't know how you felt about it, man. Just felt like the walls had ears at that place. It's just very clicky. And, mm. and when you got the staff against you, because I had got the staff against me at that point, because I'd already confronted them about... Almost injustice. being stabbed. Well, it's, even before that, there was some injustice that I saw happen to another companion. Well, it was no... There was flu going around the community. And by the way, flu went around the community all the time, man, didn't it? It's just like, it's like every other week, someone like a group, a cohort of companions were dropping out because of the, the flu and that. There was a lot um, of dust in the place. There was flu. I had some of the weirdest colds of my life in that place, actually. Yeah, so, man, it was yeah. so strong. I've never been that ill in my life. Like, a lot of it was to do, to do with you. Ill, you know, low-key ill, yeah. Low-key, um, because we were moving furniture in, constantly moving furniture in from other people's houses, right? So yeah, and the yeah, dust yeah. would come up from those things, viruses, germs. So really, this place would have been an absolute hotbed for COVID. <laughs> I mean, I do just, not know how those guys didn't eat each other in the middle of the basically the arse germs of thousands of people just lingering around in the air. If you think about how many arses have been on those couches that we've got, you know... It wasn't great. It's, it's what we're trying to say. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't. It, yeah, it wasn't kosher. That that's <laughs> for, that is for sure. And that's a great reference for any of our Jewish listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I cut that. Cut, oh, I cut that. Uh, <laughs> why, why? Why cut it? Why cut it? That's like the nicest thing we've said so far. I'm pretty sure we've at some stage we've offended. You know, a lot of people are going to catch feelings if this podcast ever gets out, and that is probably the nicest thing you've said thus far. I mean, gee. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. They'll be catching on. feelings, and we'll be catching cases. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, mate. For sure. Anyway, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So where, where was that? Yeah, yeah. The flu and the flu and so. Yeah. So so Noel went off with the flu, and. Um, he, he was a recovering um, heroin addict, right? So the staff just assumed, even though they would have to be blind and deaf not to realise that the flu was going around, um, but they, they, they harangued him. They, they thought he was withdrawing from heroin and, and, and stuff. Which, and I just got really pissed off with that. So I had it out with one of the staff there. And I remember having a meeting about that, about that outburst they had. And I started airing all my grievances, which was really unwise. I probably should have just kept my mouth shut. But I was like, when I was ill, I asked for some strepsils and I was refused the strepsils because, ladies and gentlemen, there was trace levels of alcohol in them uh, and you weren't allowed to have any alcohol at all. And I asked why. And it's because I oh, might get the taste for it, encourage you to go out drinking, ignoring the fact that everyone was drinking every night anyway, just in the park. 
But but it's just ridiculous. So I, so I said to him, well, you know, deodorant's got alcohol in it. Are you going to ban that? And he goes, yeah, it's got alcohol in it. I was like, why? He said, well, because the odour might encourage people to go and drink. Alcohol's odourless, first of all. And the, the, by that logic, we should ban TV because God forbid a fucking Heineken advert comes on. Other beers yeah. are available, by the way. But, you know, um, <laughs> and if you are listening, Heineken, we we would like some free shit. Anyway, uh, no one's Sponsors, listening to this. Please, That's not I mean, you know, hilarious. Um, the other but, thing was, I mean, it was like it was out of sight, out of mind. So mm. people could smoke, just not you know, in the community. So I just go outside, go around the corner and then smoke and then nobody cares, right? It was like being at your mother's house. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was like, you don't care about the underlying issues of any of this stuff, the alcoholism, perhaps the taking of drugs. As long as it doesn't seem to, you know, uh, pop up on our radar, we don't really care. You yeah, know, as long as yeah. we don't search your room and they did conduct room searches and we find a can of alcohol, you know, because you didn't want to say drink on the street mm. uh, like a homeless person. <laughs> Imagine yeah. why you wouldn't want to do that. Go back to that. You know, uh-huh. um, then, yeah, they they basically just didn't care. Again, complete lack of duty of care. Oh, well, it's, it's just complete hypocrisy as well. Like they're, they're perfectly content for you to get paralytic off premises. But God forbid they find a fucking strepsil with alcohol in your room. Yeah, no. Just a joke. Anyway, so I'd basically created a rod for my own back at that point. Um and I was You're a marked man. <laughs> yeah, and and Your and taste look, 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 look. I mean I acted like an arsehole, I won't I'm not gonna lie. Um so I was put on the van with this guy, uh, who we won't name, but and but he was just a really miserable, obnoxious bloke. I mean, Don, correct me if I'm wrong, you knew this guy. I think He's there now. I mean, we used to call him Mr. Emmaus. Um, yeah. that's, uh, that was his nickname there. That why yeah. I, which um, may, that's something for our, for our Geordie listeners right there, you know? Yeah, 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 so exactly. Was... And another one for our Jewish ones, he was like a capo. Uh, <laughs> you know, the guys, in the, <laughs> the guys in the Jewish ghettos during the war, he would report and grass on their neighbours to the Nazis. That's, that's what who he was. Okay, we're definitely going to have to cut that one. Uh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one time I was on the van with him, and we got tipped uh, about a fiver. And he said, oh, to me, Dom, you can keep it. And I went, I'm handing it into staff. And he went, no, don't worry about it, mate. You can keep that. And he just went, and I just went, listen, mate, I'm going to hand that into staff. Yeah. And you know what I did? I handed it in because I didn't trust him an inch. Because I knew if he had that little thing over me, he'd grasp me up and fuck yeah. me off. Because we should mention that you weren't allowed to accept gratuities, tips, or anything like that. Um, you know, I mean... <laughs> it's like, the only side cash you can make there is tips, basically. Yeah, um, I'm not saying people didn't make tips. I made tips, you know, quite a few tips here and there. <laughs> Got a lot of tips. Um, yeah. You know, and that's something for our gay listeners. You know, <laughs> there, there go. I knew he was going to go there, you prick. Yes. Oh. Come on, a little bit of something for everyone. You know. <laughs> oh my god! Right, we're gonna, that's definitely getting caught. Um, <laughs> what are we saying? I don't know. I've like yeah, 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 yeah. Mister Mayors, right? Mister Mayors. So we're, we're, I was on the bank. Yeah. 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 But whether yeah. Or not, we're out. We're at six sixty. We're at sixty one minutes. Sorry. Wait. Hey. Well, we made it. Anyway, yeah, I was on the van with him, and he's just the most 
disagreeable son of a bitch you'll ever meet, man. Just a complete miserable bastard, right? Um, but yeah. I, but I knew this. So I was just I used to, I wound him up about shit. I was correcting his grammar and shit. I'd already beat him in chess like the, a few days before, so I just you know I, I refused to play yeah, him again. From Mick, which you really could pissed also him off. Me at chess, you know, um, yeah. and I was to find out years later with a very simple trick, which I will one day uh, and I will one day exact my revenge on you um, in an awesome game. Um, where I'll make you cry, uh, and that's a promise. But yeah, so you'd already beaten the chess. You refuse to play him again, though. I remember that. I mean, to be honest, Tom, it won't be hard if you make me cry because I'm already kind of like two steps from crying when I play chess because it's that fucking boring. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I played chess. I beat him I, uh, somehow. Um, I'm not that clever, but either is he, I guess. Um, but anyway, he was pissy with me. I wound him up. He told you know he said some shit like fuck off or whatever it was. So I told him to pull over. I'm going to walk home. And before I got out, I punched a hole through the windscreen. Not my finest moment. Um, shouldn't have done it. Uh, and then I got kicked out for that. And I was lucky I didn't get done for criminal damage. To be honest, so I, I, I do thank the staff for not getting me done. But I'd had it, man. I'd had it with the place, man. I was on the edge all the time. I just hated the job. I just hated that environment. I'd, I'd, I was, I'd had my foot out the door, you know. I'd, 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 I'd fucking lost it. Um, mm. But yeah, where, where were you up to in that point? Where was your headspace around that time? Um, I just remember sort of doing the thing, really, and then you coming in one day and you go and listen. I'm probably not going to be here anymore because I punched a hole in the window. And my genuine reaction was. Nah, you? Really? Come on. <laughs> You're so gentle. And then, <laughs> and then you, you sort of went, no, no, seriously. And I thought you were winding me up um, again. And then eventually you ushered me outside, which is the only way I actually came to believe this to be true. And you showed mm. me the window that you had broken uh, yeah. in the van. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, I just want to say, uh, Danny, it was literally like a hole that it sort of punched in the window, it'd been framed, so he didn't like smash the glass. He <laughs> just he'd when a window actually gets broken, you know, if it's real, when car windows get broken, it's like they they don't break the way normal windows do. No, they kind you of know. crumple, don't they? Yeah, they kind of crumple. So Danny had, had basically um, imprinted his fist into a windscreen, <laughs> and then yeah. I looked at that somewhat in awe, and then I went, <laughs> "Right, <laughs> you're." Definitely getting booted, mate. There's just no two ways about this. And then, yeah, um, unfortunately, you very much did. Yeah, so that was a shit moment. And then, but <laughs> shortly after that, though, you got kicked out, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I did. Um, and you for... basically never put a foot wrong there until that moment, after the set. It was very, um, you know, I'm not, not going to lie, it was a, it was a strange turn of events um, because I was just sort of like, happily ticking by um i used to go down to a restaurant um every saturday and try to have a little side hustle where i just um work for like really 50 pound a night in a greek restaurant where there are all these uh, late women <laughs> of a certain age on hen hen parties how often did then... you work there so you were moonlighting whilst you was at a mayor's yeah that's yeah, why uh... you always had cash man shit <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, and you knew that, and you solicited me to buy you pizzas. And he also had a motorbike, and he used to get me to go <laughs> and get you a pizza. 
from the pl- anyway it doesn't matter about that right but that was a whole other little weird thing that we had going on definitely not uh, true but carry on <laughs> 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 uh, i basically became you know i used to earn money at the restaurant and then paid for danny's delivery orders and he used to solicit me that because he was broke so <laughs> that, that was a bit of a thing but anyway moving moving on i got booted because i was smoking quite a lot of marijuana sometimes outside but then i had a cheeky joint in my room um blew it out the window uh they did room searches room searches uh and then they basically just found a load of drugs in my room and that's uh it's pretty much how that happens so yeah. what people need to understand about dom right here's the vibe that dom had in that community it's like you know the cool straight cat that just wanders in with its tail up and just everyone's like oh yeah that cat's here and then it just wanders out again uh, <laughs> that's dom you like you knew he was there but he was kind of like he's anonymous yeah and just cool um and but basically you were breaking the rules from the beginning so <laughs> like basically accepting all tips on the van just like you and you and you you you, you drive a mate there would yeah. just park up and just not just take the afternoon off on a regular basis turn <laughs> turn pieces of furniture away that were perfectly fine uh just basically completely unprofessional and you'd also moonlight so you'd earn an extra money on the side which you weren't allowed to do um no. Yeah, and then, yeah. He just, and then he's smoking weed in his room on the regs, and then just one day happens to get caught. But the funniest thing about all this is just, like, they kicked you out, but then you just didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, tell them how that went, man. Uh, yeah, well, basically, I was just trying to find my feet, um, so I was looking around for a job, but I was really in a very awkward in-between sort of stage, so I managed to, it was a very, very stressful time, I must admit, because I was doing odd jobs, this, that, and the other, I had little motorbikes, so I was ferrying um, back and forth, uh, and just trying to find my way, but ultimately they were just pressurizing me constantly to leave and i just knew the system so i was just leading them on as much as i possibly could i managed to do it for about a month and a half tops there was at one stage um hey i think i can (laughs) she's record of her work in there um she basically wanted to she threatened Matron, um yeah 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 fine yeah let's just call her matron of this whole place basically threatened me and said, listen, I want your key. Um, and if you don't give me your key, I'm going to send the police, the police to your place of work and arrest you. And mm. I went, I don't really think you can do that. I don't really think you can just send police to where I work to arrest me for no crime, essentially, apart from just living in a place, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I really like it just was in utter shock that they would, uh, they would do that. And I called a bluff. I remember just going, well, do it then do it. If you're that uh, adamant that that is the case, I was that certain of my rights at that particular moment that I went, you know what? I think that's an empty bluff. So just do it. Just mm. do it. I didn't get angry. I didn't yell, but I was like, you know what? If you're going to be that way, I want to see you do it. Um, and then, yeah, she, she folded because she couldn't do anything really and tried, she made some vain effort to call the YMCA to see if they were um, available to let me in, which uh, basically they weren't at the time. But yeah, that's how, that's how that went. Mm. So yeah, so what, what are your lasting impressions of the play to wrap this up? 
Um, well, one day when I was at work, like literally at work, they called me and took all my stuff from my room and just put it in another room to sort of clear it. And then because I still had a key to the place, I came in and then um, remember just kind of opening my room. Everything had gone from my room apart from the mattress. And then I just sort of sat on my mattress, stared up at the ceiling and just went, wow, holy crap. And then I remember just smoking a joint, <laughs> just going outside, smoking a joint, getting high, coming back in and then, and then you know, just doing that. So my last impression of that place was like, oh, um, ultimately – you know, they will strip you of everything you have if you just, uh, if they get a second's chance, you know, that, that's just what they're about. Ultimately, everybody has to make a buck in this world. And apparently the people that actually work in Emmaus um, are simply employed there to kick people out that are just trying to get by, you know, it's just weird. Yeah, just to be clear, they're on really good salaries there. So the, the, the staff who work there didn't really do much work at all. The place was run, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Don, but it was run by us. Right, we, mm. we did all the legwork. I think I think some of us even did all the accounting and you know things like that. So yeah, yeah, no, I remember all the handiwork around the place that was done by companions for the most part. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, with me, the last impression it, it was just a real eye opener because I, I knew that austerity rather. I'd taken its toll on this country and I, I knew there were grave injustices going. I didn't realise that it had gone to the, such an extent where essentially the workhouse system uh, had resurfaced. You know? mm. And in no other walk, walk of life um, can you be compelled to work 40 hours a week with no on pain of being condemned to the streets. We don't treat anyone else like that in society. So why is it okay to treat the homeless like that? So I just think the fact that Emmaus communities exist in 21st century Britain, and only 21st century Britain, but 21st century Europe, is just, I think, an indictment on the state of our society and just how, how we don't look after people. And, and, um, and yeah, if you're listening to this, go and check it out. Because very few people know about it. This stuff's going on. And believe you me, that charity is expanding. I mean, they celebrate expansion in that place that in a way that would make venture capitalists feel a bit uneasy, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a business. It is a business. It's a business. And... It says it's a charity. But the thing is, charities, charity, and I make this argument in my book, Down and Out, uh, available. Cheeky plug. Available now. Charity is not cut out to solve social ills like homelessness. It's compromised from the start, right? Think about it. If there's no homeless charities, if there's no homelessness, sorry, there's no homeless charities. And people have pointed out to me that you could make the same argument about sick people and hospitals. But that's only true if you believe that homelessness is just as inescapable as illness. I don't think it has to be. Yeah, so, so check it out because this shit's going on and people should know about it. Hmm. Right, okay. Um, should we do the outro? Yeah, so um, check it out. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you down the road. Yeah, thanks Goodbye. for listening, guys. You know, By the way, Mayus is like a road thing, so there's like this sweet sort of 
segue where you kind of go like Emmaus is a road. It, it's actually all very clever. I mean, I don't know if Danny did that intentionally. It's, it's biblical, yeah, 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 yeah. It's biblical, man. So it's biblical, man. 